Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to National Park After Dark. We have a really cool episode for you today. We sure do. We're having guests on today, which I feel like we kind of haven't done in a little bit. I feel like we're just like tooth and claw for life. But then there's so (laughs) many other cool podcasts out there. Um, We've done a couple different collaborations in the past. And this one we're really stoked for because... um, I recently just went to one of their live shows when they were here in Denver. And as you could probably tell from the title, we are talking to Heather and Christy from Sinisterhood. And we're so stoked. This is going to be such a fun conversation. They're taking us to a national forest that we've never been to before. And we're the ones being told the stories today, which is a totally different vibe than usual. So we're excited for this. It's kind of a welcome relief. It's kind of like a palate cleanser when you get to sit and just have a story told to you well and they're just both so fun and they're so fun to listen to for their stories and their banter and everything so i'm just excited that we get to sit back and join and listen to the story that they're bringing us today so i guess without further ado let's say hello to heather and christy Well, hello, Christy and Heather. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We're so excited to get started. I know you both have some lovely stories for us today, but before we do, could you just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about Sinisterhood? Yeah, for sure. I'm Christy. I'm one of the co-hosts of Sinisterhood. It's a podcast, comedy podcast about all things sinister. So we cover paranormal, true crime, cults, cryptids, mysteries. Uh, You know, of course, when we're doing true crime, it's not we don't do the comedy then. But for other stuff, we do kind of a mix of all stuff for our listeners to have, you know, variety but also for us and to get a little brain break in between like do some more fun fun things in between all the horrors of the world too yeah we like to cover the horrors of the world and say (laughs) what are these what can we do about them what's been going on with this but also you know you guys get it you you need a brain break sometimes and switching up the topics keeps us all uh all fresh yes yeah 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 well we're a big fan of your podcast and we know our listeners are because there have been many times where they have reached out to us and been like can you do a collab with sinisterhood or yeah we'll say what what podcasts are you all listening to and you always pop up so we know that we have some fans well we'd love to hear that we've heard a lot of about you guys from our listeners too so we're super pumped to finally get to collab right and thank you so much for coming to our denver show we saw you of course and we were so excited and then our listeners in the audience were like i mean we were all so excited (laughs) when we reposted it well it was so funny because (laughs) when i went i was like i'm not going to tell anyone like no one has ever recognized me Cassie's been recognized a couple of times Mm -hmm. like out in the wild you know but um (laughs) no one has ever recognized me and I actually kind of enjoy that I just felt like I should be like wearing a hood (laughs) you know and just like yeah (laughs) yeah so when I came to your show I was really happy because I knew that in the audience there's probably some people that knew what National Park After Dark was but Mm -hmm. didn't know who I was which Mm -hmm. was Perfect. <laughs> you know, the yes. only times I have ever been recognized are in public restrooms. In the so, yeah. <laughs> That's, what a place. Um, yes, twice now. Mm-hmm. I think it's been in a oh, yeah. in a public bathroom. Yeah. I, I never get recognized, but my husband does Paris because I, I my Instagram's almost only pictures of him or us <laughs> together. And I guess I just look like an everyday average gal about town. And they're like, oh, that's the guy that looks like an Instagram model just because I'm like, look at him, look at him. So people will go, hey, Heather, I, I actually recognize Paris. 
terrorist. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you did. It's fine. It's fine. I would recognize him too. I get it. But that's, yeah, we appreciate you coming out, man. Yeah, it was that's a fun awesome. show. We love was, Denver. We oh, love yeah. That's one of our favorite clubs to play is Denver. Just, it's so like intimate. It feels kind of like a cave. It's and like a cozy just, yeah, we love it. We, the first time we played there was great too. Yeah, that comedy works location is yeah. great. Cause when we did our Denver show, we did the other Denver location, oh, cool. which isn't as like, vibey okay like cozy cavish yes yeah yes. And it's underground over there in larimer square yeah it's, we love yeah. Denver. we love it it's yeah awesome. we're in denver uh we go to denver probably like probably more than we need once to. every six months <laughs> or much. so we'll just be like find an excuse to go now we're coming we want to come in the next few weeks because casa bonita is opening yeah which is i know legends yeah <laughs> oh good you're excited too because everybody we tell is like you're gonna hate it so no, go and we're like it. we have reasons heather has been a fan since she was a we used watching south park we have to go <laughs> it's go? about the experience yes right i'm trying to see cliff divers if there are also enchiladas that's fine and i'm pretty sure that's the casa bonita business model so i'm on their target demo right yeah enchiladas and, and you. cliff divers yeah. yeah what more could you ask for yeah sounds that's like a amazing. solid day <laughs> yeah <laughs> well when we will we'll make sure we'll let you know when we're coming so, uh, yeah, I'll bring you to Rocky Mountain. Ooh. Oh, okay. We'll do it. Perfect. Yeah, I'm going to go on an adventure. I'm, I won't drag you all the way to the sand dunes, but I do um, see Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Oh, sweet. I've yeah. seen some cool. I got on the, as I guess, I don't know how I got on the national park or just like travel, but park hiking Pacific Northwest Rocky Mountain Instagram algorithm. And I'm fine with it though, because <laughs> I'm just like, well, I have to go to Idaho now. And I also need to go to like, it's just these places that you never would think to go, but they are, we're living so surrounded by gorgeous scenery and it's just we need podcasts like y'all to remind us of it yeah well we are glad we can provide it cassie's <laughs> list is ever growing because sure i have many we keep places. researching places that we're like oh this one and this is cool like, where's this, is this? oh i have to go here now there's so, so many yeah so many i love it yeah well where are you guys taking us today there we go we are today taking we are taking you to the mark twain national forest Oh, Ooh, we Missouri. haven't done that one yet, have we? Okay. No. no. Yes, it's in Missouri. So maybe after today, it'll be on your, we know it's not South Africa or where did else? Patagonia. <laughs> they're going to Madagascar. But it's still cool. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Missouri. All right. But, uh, but we covered it on our show, but we wanted to bring it to you all because we want your opinions on each of these and it covers kind of everything we do because the Mark Twain National Forest, as we get into it, you're going to see there's paranormal, we got true crime, conspiracies maybe, Ooh. and mysteries that we need your expertise on uh, on analyzing here. Yes, and some missing person cases And the missing too. persons case, yeah. yeah. So maybe we can get some eyes on that case as well. Yes. So um, whenever y'all are ready, we will jump right in. It sounds like you have a boatload of stories from Missouri. <laughs> We're excited. <laughs> All right. Well. I will say every time that we go to the Midwest, the people in the Midwest are so stoked for it. People rally around these episodes, you know. Every time we do a Midwest episode, so many people come forward and they're like, that's my park. Mm -hmm. I know so many stories where if we do Yosemite or one of the bigger ones, people do come forward. But the Midwest, there's like a there's a huge love for those states in there. Yeah that people grown. just yeah. love to hear it yeah yeah and people don't they're not maybe the biggest ones that you know get all the attention so they're like that's my that's right. my hometown you feel like a celebrity yeah like everyone loves yellowstone and no one gives any love to <laughs> The Mark, Mark Twain. Twain National Forest. What about Forest? Mark Twain National Forest? <laughs> what about Mark Twain? Well, we'll tell you what about. <laughs> 
All right. Well, here we go. Mark Twain National Forest spans over 3 million acres, spreading over 29 counties throughout Missouri. It is home to several wilderness areas, a range of volcanic mountains, and the largest spring on National Forest land. Named for author and Missouri native Mark Twain, the forest is home to more than 750 miles of trails. Outdoor enthusiasts can enjoy hiking, horseback riding, and mountain biking. Countless waterways provide a scenic backdrop for canoeing, kayaking, and fishing. Sounds pretty great so far. I'm down. Missouri people, (laughs) I get it. I mean... Be proud. Yes. Because that's, that sounds great. I'm already <laughs> adding trees. it to my list of places to visit now. 750 <laughs> miles huge. of trails. Yeah. But that is kind of, that's, that's, I love amazing. national parks. That's also the morbidly creepy, fascinating part is just how massive. vast and massive they are and how you're just a blip in them. And so many people go missing. Hard and, to find. Yeah. Aside from its natural beauty, Mark Twain National Forest has gained a more sinister reputation. Paranormal author Stephen Lachance told the Travel Channel. When I think of the Mark Twain National Forest, I think of an evil place. I've had nightmares about this place. Oh, well, let's not <laughs> besmirch the good name, Stephen Lachance. <laughs> We were just saying we all wanted to go there. I know. Maybe. It's kind of like spoiling a movie where you're like, it was great. The ending, you're never going to see it coming. If you go into this knowing, I've had nightmares, it's very sinister, then you're on edge and everything is going to creep you up. Right. You're looking for it now. Yes. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And Stephen Lachance is we, and I know, Danielle, you're into paranormal things. We covered another book that he had written on the show, The Union, Missouri Screaming House, mm-hmm. which was this house that was haunted and a family had to, you know, move out of it or whatever. So he's a, he's a storied author on the paranormal. In Missouri. In Missouri. Specifically. specifically. It's very okay. Niche. He has a niche. Yeah. He's a niche okay. author. <laughs> but he knows his, he knows what he's talking about. He's stuff in Missouri. There have been several documented run-ins with paranormal beings in the forest. In 2009, David Harkins, a paranormal investigator, was exploring the grave of Eliza Jane Laycock, which sits in the forest beside a road just south of a cemetery. According to Harkins, locals believe Laycock was buried out by the road because she was a witch and therefore was not allowed to be buried in the cemetery adjacent to the church. Rude. (laughs) Very. (laughs) Out in the dark by himself, Harkins got a pang of sadness something that was common to him any time he visited Laycock's grave. This night, when the temperatures dipped down into the low 20s, Harkins noticed something about the alleged witch's final resting place. The stones lying around her grave marker were all warm to the touch. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Right? So like- it's freezing outside. All these rocks are hot. There's no fire around. Mm-mm. Very weird. Very weird. Harkins told Mysteries of the Outdoors that he looked up to find a man standing in the distance, staring at him. Even more terrifying, Harkins noticed a stranger was no ordinary man. He stood around seven feet tall, and his eyes were glowing red. Panicked, Harkins decided to leave. When he looked over his shoulder one last time, he saw the man flicker a few times before disappearing. Ooh. Oh, that is not something I would want to come across. In the no. no, he described it kind of of like um, static on a TV screen, yeah. like when, you know, a picture's like coming in and out, mm-hmm. which you don't ever want to see that ever. But in a dark woods and a witch's grave, especially not. 
red eyes and seven feet tall no thank Mm-mm. you i'm i'm out that's a big nope for me yes in the um and in the discovery plus show that they of course they do reenactments which is this one i would highly recommend to search on just go on discovery plus and search mark twain national forest and the graphics that they chose to use <laughs> like the glow of the red eyes i was like oh you know someone was like let me get the footage let me just uh, put that little red right there like you can see it's like very after us, but it's it, it they tried. If you did see that out alone and you already touched the hot rocks, I could see how it would be terrifying, <laughs> even with the bad graphics. Paranormal investigator Brandon Callahan told Discovery Plus that he believes the paranormal figure was actually a demon that had been summoned using black magic. When a coven or a person is practicing some sort of ritual, they'll want that area protected so that outsiders won't have a tendency to wander in. So they're going to call in protectors. Those protectors can manifest themselves in human form or any other form. Indeed, the rumored practice of the dark arts in the Mark Twain National Forest has been around for centuries. Stephen Lachance told Mysteries of the Outdoors that he believes this may explain the gruesome scene he stumbled upon one day while exploring the forest. I came across a pasture one time and it was full of deer and the deer were all dead. I'm not talking one or two or three, talking like 20, 30, and it was pretty weird and unexplainable. So yeah, I guess if it's out, what do y'all think? Out in the ma- the forest, the in night, you think people use it for whatever purposes? Like you said, because you're a Conjuring blip on the radar, things? you can't see, you wouldn't yeah. be caught. So many deer out there. That is really strange. Yeah, and they weren't just um, dead. Yes, there had been, Worse. you know, it, uh, if animal or something had gotten a hold of them, but to have that many in one in place, one small area, that's mm-hmm. like that feel that gives me chills a little bit. It mm-hmm. feels like evil, and I don't. I don't know, maybe some type of conjuring in that area or I, th- I try and take the scientific side where I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe there was a poison in the area and the they mushroom. all, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. something like I'm that. I'm the same way. Yeah, I'm the same way. And then I uh, extrapolate that out to what's the scariest thing, humans. Right. And then even if it was like they were trying to conjure something, if people were to do that as some sort of sacrifice and not a demonic presence, then arguably for me, that's even more terrifying. Right. It's, it is scarier to think that there are people that are willing to do that versus mm-hmm. maybe an alien. Although for me, I'm like, but was it an alien? Because <laughs> I <laughs> hope that it was. I, I think that's have... the best outcome. <laughs> I see Danielle raise her hand. Yep. Same. I love aliens. aliens oh, me too. Thing. I love yeah. aliens. Yes. I always want the explanation to be like Bigfoot, aliens, which I should have a logical mind because well, I'm a lawyer, but I don't. If <laughs> it is the Bigfoot or aliens, leave the deer alone. Right. They don't yeah. need Bigfoot. 20 or 30, you know? Bigfoot would never. <laughs> Bigfoot would never. Who does no. that to a deer? Exactly. In 2011, Bud Steed, a paranormal investigator, was in an area of the forest that he described as a real creepy kind of place, especially when it starts getting dark. Bud was out there following up on an incident reported to him where a motorist suffered unexplained car instrument malfunctions. When Bud took a walk near the area, he heard something unusual telling the travel channel, I heard this really low, throaty kind of growl. I don't even know how to describe it. I spent a lot of time in the woods and it was like nothing I'd ever heard before. We all spend a lot of time in the woods. You ever have you heard a low, th- throaty growl before? Sure have. Sure really? have. Tell us. <laughs> what was it? It was it a was bear. bear. <gasps> yeah. We were together yeah. too, actually. You were. Tell me everything, please. Yeah. I have to know. We love bears. Uh, 
I'm fascinated with bears. Never Heather's got to see like 30 bears all alive. Unlike these deer. Go to the Smoky Mountains if you hadn't already been. I saw so many good looking bears. But they weren't growling. (laughs) Yours growled. I saw them from a distance, heard nothing. You heard it before you saw it? Oh, yeah. We We never never, like (gasps) technically really saw it. We saw it moving and we saw like the underbrush around it moving. But we were out walking on a trail up in the White Mountains and we suddenly heard like a low growl happening and we both stopped and Mm -hmm. we're like do you hear that is Mm -hmm. that because we were mid-conversation it Mm -hmm. wasn't like we don't have our ears out yeah you didn't just you don't go hiking in silence with one another (laughs) (laughs) constantly keeping an ear out (laughs) just heavy breathing the entire way (laughs) sometimes that's the case (laughs) damn so what do you how do what do you do in that situation we didn't actually really know what was happening in the situation. We're listening to it and we were like, what is that? What is that? And we're listening to the sound. We're listening and we decide we should just get out of there because we just, we suddenly see like this brush moving and mm-hmm. her dog. A couple feet from us. A couple oh. feet from us. And her dogs were like starting to be a little weird. And we're like, okay, go, go, go. And we leave. And then when we get to a safe distance, we actually looked up the noises we were hearing Mm -hmm. to try and figure out what it was. And YouTube had this lovely video that said, these are the noises before a bear attacks. (gasps) Shut Mm -hmm. up. It was like a, it was a video of like a um, montage of different bear vocalizations and what they mean so we're like oh that wasn't it that wasn't it that wasn't it and then all of a sudden we're like oh there it is and it was like run basically or don't run you should never run (laughs) um but yeah so it was uh it was interesting and uh we've i think that's the only time we've encountered like that was our closest encounter with a black bear um, oh man but as far as the growling Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah gosh so I mean, you would assume the bear smelled y'all or the dogs and was given a little warning sign of like, yeah, hey, I'm here. Make move it along. So yeah, keep going. Yeah. Damn. Right. We heard him loud and clear. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. No <laughs> argument here. We will be on our way. <laughs> Thank <Ten> you. <laughs> well, God, super. This is why we don't camp in the woods. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because one, we would be just breathing heavy and probably miss the growling because it would just be. <laughs> we would be like was that you or a bear <laughs> we both really like the outside and we like to be outside but we're i mean you know we're indoor cats right like pretty indoor just by nature like but we like it but when we went camping not camping we went for a hike aka a walk along a road <laughs> when we were recently in sundance and it was quiet like we were breathing <laughs> and then at one point we came upon a rock which is there for cars not to like hit a curve and you're like do you think it's chill if we sit on this rock and i was like yeah yeah, probably <laughs> we just sat on a rock so yeah that we would be eh, what's that that's fine we're just sitting here and we would get got we'd be on the news and that'd be oh why. man yes and they'll be like listen to that time they were on national park after dark they knew this would happen so <laughs> i blame the heavy born. breathing on the altitude yeah it was that's altitude. my excuse not the fact that we should exercise <laughs> more that's fine. that's fine i'm good that's what yeah, i say well, whenever i get to higher altitudes too i'm like i yeah i went to colorado in december and we were in breckenridge just walking down the street and it's pretty flat mm-hmm. on the street there and i'm like heavy breathing i'm like mm-hmm. i swear i can walk down a street normally yeah now it gets <laughs> you the thinner air in Park, sure. i wanted to like bring it because we covered the stanley i know y'all did too right mm-hmm. we like 
we went and visited and I was like, I need like one of those masks, like the air in a can that at the Denver airport, there's like ads and the, the, the little train going through. Like if you need to get to your other gate and also if you can't breathe, there are cans of air. I was like, I need one of those. Yeah, they, they dispense them out here all the time. There's like little like sh- oxygen bars and stuff wow. for people. Yeah. I mean, huff it. Next time we're in Denver, we're going to an oxygen we're coming bar. to Denver. We're going to go to Casa Bonita and then we're going to huff an oxygen <laughs> Maybe reverse. Oh. I feel like we should do reverse. Oh, yeah. We might need it. <laughs> we can't be tied to a machine after cost of a minute. We need You're like free burp. rain if we never if we need to get to a bathroom ASAP. Oh, yeah. You don't want to burp in the oxygen machine. Valid. I'll say with my rational mind, because I also, even though I love an alien and a Bigfoot more than the, usually the next person, <laughs> uh, even though with all of that... Um, I'm going to say that was probably a bear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. That low growling grunting, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like you just happen to be in the same location. And Missouri has black bears, so. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, I believe y'all because you have experienced. Yeah, I would trust so that. So you're experts as far Mm-mm. as I'm concerned. <laughs> Well, Bud prepared for a fight. Once he heard the sound of footsteps, he then saw a figure walking nearby. Just as soon as the footsteps began, they stopped. He tried following the figure into the forest, but as soon as he got closer, the figure disappeared before his eyes. He told the Travel Channel, It was just one of those experiences you can't explain. But... The figure separate from the bear. The, the bear's its own thing growling. The figure, different thing. The bear is growling because it saw the ghost in the woods. Ooh, it's the ghost man ooh. from the grave is just walking down the... See? I like to envision him as like the Quaker oat man from the oatmeal canister <laughs> just because they said he was wearing like a wide-brimmed hat. It's but... also way less scary yeah, to think is. of that. Yeah. What's some uh, maple oatmeal? Well, like we were talking about on y'all's freaky friday stories on our show animals know things that we don't so i think this bear which i'm now saying it was a bear was like bruce and Mm -hmm. knew something was not right going on yeah saying get out of here they know one possible explanation for the creepy incidents involves something buried deep in the forest surface a 150 mile long fault line called the New Madrid Seismic Zone, runs across five states and right through the Mark Twain National Forest. From December 1811 to March 1812, the New Madrid Fault was responsible for the most devastating earthquakes in U.S. history. Ranging in magnitudes of 8.4 to 8.8, the quakes were so powerful, they made the church bells in Boston ring and caused a fluvival tsunami in the Mississippi River, making the river run backwards for several hours, according to History.com. Y'all ever encountered this? Sure haven't. (laughs) No. You're like in New England, like the church bells are ringing. Shit is going down in the Mark Twain forest. Is it noon? No, the forest is rumbling. What forest? It's miles away. It's Wednesday, 11 a.m. There's no services. Well, things are going on in the forest. That's a big ass fault line. Over a five month period, 2,000 tremors occurred causing the geography of the region to drastically change, according to Mysteries of the Outdoors. Additionally, the powerful quakes liquefied the ground in certain areas, releasing a thick, toxic black smog in the air, 
making it difficult at the time for people to breathe. What a time to be alive. (laughs) Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, 1812 already, what a time to be alive. But then you've got this on top. You already, I feel like, or constantly can't breathe from something going on. Yeah, they'd probably be working down the Black lung. Yeah, Yeah. there's something. Or just constant dirt being kicked up from your wagons. Yeah, honey, let's go to the forest. (laughs) It's just smoking big black smog. (laughs) And bears and demons. Lack of clean air wasn't the only problem brought on by the smog. Some people believe that demonic forces, previously trapped underground, were released into this world after the quakes broke apart the ground. According to Stephen Lachance, Paranormal activity is caused by the fault line. Paranormal investigator Brian Callahan agreed, telling the Travel Channel, When you have a fault line as large as the Madrid, nobody should be surprised that the Mark Twain National Forest is wrought with demons and monsters and ghosts because you're directly accessing this underworld that we're completely unfamiliar with. And I feel like we just need people in the world who are willing to go on camera on the travel channel and say that a national forest <laughs> is wrought with demons and monsters and ghosts with a straight face. It's lousy it. with demons. He's you like, don't want to go, go to that forest. <laughs> Do you know what this is? This is like a copy and paste of Stranger Things. Right. Maybe they because they use this kind of like Montauk. It's mm. as, as an inspiration, but you're right. This is more of an inspiration for the upside down and the ground part versus yeah. the yes. government testing is like Montauk, but you're right. The ground is cracked open and the shit's just seeping out. And it's yeah. releasing all of this stuff. And, it's been you know buried I mean? for how before us. Yeah. Damn. Perhaps this exposure to the underworld is responsible for the terrifying grunting sounds that some people have reported hearing in the forest. Either that or another monster may be responsible. Feral hogs. As of summer 2022, the federal government was formulating a plan to deal with the large quantity of feral hogs in the Mark Twain National Forest. Hunting the hogs on federal land is illegal, so other more compassionate methods are being explored. Still, there may be yet another monster making its presence known in the forest. Yeah, if you hear demon sounds like pig sounds, the feral hogs are demons. I I don't want to come across one of those either. I have a pet pig, and there are times I don't want to come across her, and she is not feral, (laughs) but they can be very aggressive and extremely stubborn, and she does not have tusks. No, the squeal of, have you heard the, like, all the... It's not even, it's like a scream situation. Oh, I hear it. No, not all you. The I'm time. sorry. <laughs> Danielle and Cassie. Oh. Have you ever heard that? Like the, like a pig? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, mean. I volunteer at a farm and they have oh, a pig. Yeah. There you and go. she's super cute, but sometimes she goes into heat and she mm-hmm. is the scariest thing to be around because she'll yes. chase you and like bite your ankles and like chase you around the whole farm. And I think that animals think that they can bully me too. So I'm, <laughs> she like sees me and makes a beeline for me mm-hmm. as soon as I get oh, in. And no. she's like, it's pretty comical because there's been times where I'm literally running and she's like, <laughs> like chasing after Coming me. Coming after you? Yeah. You have oh. to we had a pedal our pig uh, fixed at a very early age for this exact reason. But yeah, when y'all moved, I was helping Christy's husband move pedal and she's 90 pounds. Oh, she's probably over 100. Probably yeah. over 100 pounds. I mean, she's and there's, you know, you have like the boards that kind of help move. But even with that, just the sounds that they make. And I was like, oh, yeah, if I was out in the forest and I heard this, I would be like, oh, the hell the ground has opened and hell is on Earth, has been unleashed on Earth. <laughs> there's it, no other exclam- explanation. No, no, absolutely not. Mm-mm. The way that sound it was curdling it was like, <laughs> it's quite shocking yes 
With over 3 million acres of dense forest, it should come as no surprise that dozens of Bigfoot sightings in Mark Twain have been reported. The YouTube channel, Sasquatch Theory, chronicles interviews from hunters and wilderness enthusiasts that claim to have encountered the beast. I knew Bigfoot was coming. <laughs> like, we're waiting for this. <laughs> Do you ever go Bigfoot hunting? Have you, whenever you've gone to the parks to visit, do you have a guide like take you on a tour? You know, that's like a dream. Um, oh, yeah. But I, when I first, I moved, I lived in the Pacific Northwest for a few years. And um, when I first moved there, like I have a, I have a beanie and it says like gone squatching <laughs> on it. And, nice. um, and going into, you know, you can't help but think of Bigfoot when you're in the Pacific Northwest. Number one, because, I mean, the image of Bigfoot is on literally everything Everywhere, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but also, it's just, I mean, the forest does give that vibe off. Yeah. And my dad, um, he passed away when I was a teenager, but he and I always, like, Bigfoot was our thing. Mm. So when I got to the uh, Pacific Northwest, I'm like, all right, dad, let's Aww, do it. Let's Gone it. squatching. And I like, I would it. always, you know, look out for things, but I've never been on like a true expedition yeah we need like a formal bigfoot guide and we gotta all go all four of us are going on a formal bigfoot i love it in the forest i would love to go (laughs) we went to the bigfoot museum when we were in boring oregon boring oregon oregon Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon is that what it's, that's fun um, and it actually was much more legit than right. we anticipated it being we thought it was going to be like some dude's garage but it was like a very nice building with right. um, legitimate artifacts and whatnot <laughs> they had foot impressions from something was it a big foot <laughs> maybe and the best part was that it had a there is a bottle of musk of Bigfoot the scent of a Bigfoot and you take a little squirt puff in your mouth mm. your, not your mouth I'm sorry your <laughs> mouth no, don't do it in your mouth. Don't do it in your mouth. Sorry, sorry. You take it in your nose, which is still, it'll singe the nostrils a bit. But that way, if you ever you take a little, and that way, if you're in the forest, you'll know if Bigfoot is around. Yeah, it's also awful smell. Probably just it's. I mean, we, 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 we filmed it or, yeah. and there was gagging. Yeah, it's real bad. I I know you guys just said it was legit, but that sounds not. <laughs> How do they acquire the smell? Is my question. Great question. Yeah, like you go up Great to the question. counter and ask, like, "Where'd you get this?" And they're like, "You don't want to know." <laughs> And you're like, oh, I don't. You know what? You're right. Because it's going to involve milking some gland, and I don't want to know what gland <laughs> or what. The owner was there, but he was oh, preoccupied was. with other people, so we never got the chance to talk to him. He's a busy man. You don't get to own a Bigfoot museum in Boring, Oregon, being true. just some nobody. No. Yeah, that's right. It's true. Well, one man, Matt, said he was never a believer until he witnessed a Bigfoot walk across the road as he was driving down a forest one day. According to Matt, the creature was at least six feet tall and covered from head to toe in hair the color of a paper sack. Matt said the animal didn't seem at all concerned with traffic on the road, confidently walking across the street without looking both ways. As the Bigfoot climbed down into a ditch, Matt noted the solid black soles of his feet. I like that Bigfoot is sashaying across this road like you can wait. (laughs) I don't look both ways. You look for me. Yeah. I don't look I mean, for you. <laughs> if you hit a Bigfoot, your car is fucked. Yeah. I, he's walking away from it, I think. He's just going to be like one arm <laughs> out like uh, to, like Tony Stark, like a superhero. Just nope. <laughs> and block the car immediately. I wonder how many people have hit a moose or hit a Bigfoot and said it was a moose, but they never found the moose. Oh. Or they were like, damn, there was like a deer back there, I think. But then really it was a Bigfoot. And the mm-hmm. Bigfoot was just shook it off and was irritated. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. They've got to put a light there. <laughs> It's like, I don't think they're gonna. 
<laughs> a Bigfoot crossing sign. Someone, yeah, he's please. so annoyed. <laughs> I'll talk to he's a Bigfoot's like, I'll talk to my city counselor about this. <laughs> I deserve a crosswalk. Okay, Bigfoot. Another hunter named Bill told the channel that while camping in the forest one night, he was awoken around 1.30 a.m. by a cacophony of sounds including huffing, puffing, and growling by an unknown animal. Armed with a loaded forty-five, Bill crept out of his tent to see what he was up against. Much to his surprise, Bill saw what he believes was a Bigfoot. Based on the huffing and puffing and growling, it could have been us, but it wasn't. It was a, <laughs> turns out also, it was a probably a bear. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> you know, a bear. <laughs> I will say, though, that hunters are such a great resource because they tend to know the outdoors inside and out mm-hmm. and have a lot of experience there True. as far as you know not only the landscape but the animals too mm-hmm. and we have a lot of hunters that listen to our show and write into us and even though we're not hunters ourselves and they usually have the best stories because yeah, right. they have that rational process in mind of like I've been hunting for 25 years I know this area like the back mm-hmm. of my hand this is unlike anything that I have ever encountered I don't and they usually say I don't know what it was but I know what it wasn't mm-hmm. and can rule it out mm-hmm. right so um every time we get a story from a hunter or I hear witness testimony of some sort from a hunter, I always kind of believe them more. Yeah, a little more credibility there. Yeah. Yeah. Bill knew what he saw and it was a Bigfoot. (laughs) Well, it's true because they... You that's part of being Studying. a good hunter is getting accustomed to a different animal sounds, especially the ones you're trying to track or hunt. Mm-hmm. So, and I like that that it's not. I don't know what that is. It must be a Bigfoot. It's just I don't know what that it's is. This, this, this. I know it's not this. So that's the type I mean, of I deductive reasoning I do. <laughs> yeah, I'll step in and say. I believe it was a Bigfoot. Okay, great. I love it. Two votes for Bigfoot. uh, (laughs) I'm going to, just because I want it to be. Okay. But I don't know that it was, but I'm going to say it was just because I want it to be. Uh, Cassie, what do you weigh in? I got to know more of the story. I got to know what we got. See, Cassie and I, we got to have a little (laughs) more receipts before we'll. patterns here. Not wanting to harm the creature, but rather just scare it away, Bill fired five shots 15 feet above the animal's head. Bill expected the Bigfoot to retreat and for the woods to go silent. Instead, the opposite happened. The forest erupted with sounds of groaning, knocking, and other animalistic cries. Bill told the filmmakers that he then realized there were many more of the creatures and that they may have thought he killed one of their own. In addition to these accounts, the show reports at least 12 other Bigfoot sightings out of Missouri. What do you think now? Bigfoot's family's pissed. Uh, That's Bigfoot's family, for sure. (laughs) Right? It's like Meet the Clumps, but it's all Bigfoots. And they're all dressed different. He's like Grandpa Bigfoot. It's like, did someone just shoot Junior out there? And Grandma Bigfoot? Yeah. They're all dressed. That's great. The knocking... Could be the, yeah, the whole family yeah. back there. They're it's, grieving. They're being. I mean, if you don't come for the family, right? It's like yeah. a mob of a literal mafia of Bigfoots. It's true. I mean, I'm sure if it is like a a mammal that that would travel that way, like you would see a primate or something like that. If it has some sort of primate aspects, y'all are the vet techs. I'm speaking out of turn. Like I know something about animals, but <laughs> I have been watching that Morgan Freeman show on Netflix, Our Universe. So they get down into like chimpanzees and stuff, yeah. but. Right? You think if it's a, a a tribal kind of a group living together, if they heard shots and knew one was missing, they might call out? I mean, the reason 
that I love Bigfoot so much, other than the fact that I was just kind of like indoctrinated <laughs> from your dad. Believing. Yeah. yeah, my dad basically, yeah, um, brainwashed me. <laughs> um, but as I've gotten older, you know, it's like nostalgic to think about Bigfoot in a mm-hmm. way for me, but I've truly always held on to it more so than, you know, I love like Champ and Nessie and like mm-hmm. the Mothman and other things. It's fun, but like Bigfoot is a different thing. For mm-hmm. me, I think, and a lot of other people, because there is, there's legitimacy to it that really does make you question, like, all of these sightings and reports have a common thread of behavior that has been observed and noted and very well documented in other primate species around the world. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, how is this happening all this specific type of behavior all across the board yeah and we can connect it to a known living species that is very well studied and that for me is like kind of the the pin in it for me yeah It goes and pushes the Bigfoot one step further than kind of the mm-hmm. other myths we hear. And yeah, I've always said that, like the denseness, the vastness of the Mark Twain National Forest. Or any forest. Or yeah, Pacific any of, Northwest, especially. A yeah. lot of these protected areas where you can't say, well, we've searched every single inch of every single part of the forest of like, what if there is a primate species out there? And I know some people will be like, whatever scientific reasons, no, but let me have my Bigfoot. I just want to <laughs> believe it's harmless. Come on. I yeah. do have a question though, because this is what you always hear from Nace Biggie. B- Biggie, that's no. name has already been taken, but we can. <laughs> Big it yeah, Bigfoot. What Big did Biggie think about Bigfoot? <laughs> Glorious <laughs> Biggie. Um, why do you think they've never found a body? Like or a have they? And some of these people that claim, you know, that they have them, do you think that that's legitimate? As far as what I think, that I have two kind of schools of thought number one the first one which would be really cool is if bigfoot is real and um (laughs) allegedly if he is real and they live in these troop-like family structures we've noted in primates that they have a lot of behaviors that also attribute to grieving and funerary rituals Mm -hmm. and like if they're sophisticated as far as like what we think like when we think of bigfoot we're like they're so smart and this and that whatever like what if they're burying their their deceased or hiding them in some sort of way Mm -hmm. and some sort of funeral ritual but the other one if that's you know too woo woo for people um there are a lot of animals that we don't find complete skeletons of ever Mm -hmm. really in the forest um just because of the nature of how the woods are animal scavenging especially if in they're in the depths of you know the interior of parks or forests that are not frequented by human visitors um you're not going to just stumble across one easily if they're hidden deep in the depths of the forest and other animals coming to scavenge them Mm -hmm. scattering their bones the weather the elements there's a lot of reasons that compelling mycelium don't the mushrooms take and like absorb things into the ground and then grow back stuff back up decomposition yeah like they decompose things christy showed me fantastic (laughs) fungi if you haven't watched this documentary you were at the denver show you guys were on a kick with that yeah you were real obsessed with it but like no but it's like interesting (laughs) when you think about it, it does things get like absorbed back down in there like these carcasses so i do I really appreciate that explanation because I have not had a cogent response when people are like, if Bigfoot's so real, why haven't you found a body? I'm going to be like, my friend Danielle, expert on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just say, she said that we don't need to find one and he's out there. So take that. There you go. There it They're is. They're like, this is an Arby's. <laughs> Please drive through. And I'm like, anyway. <laughs> 
Deep beneath its surface, the forest houses a network of caves dating back centuries. Some believe a, quote, hall of records containing history, artifacts, and medicine of a lost civilization is located in one of the many caves. Local historian Charles Teague set out in search of the cave after hearing the legends. After searching for years, Teague claims to have discovered the location of the cave in the Mark Twain National Forest. He says it is underneath the Missouri Mystery Mound, a location he found after mapping fault lines in the area well now you guys have a job you got to go to the missouri (laughs) mystery mound on one of your your expeditions and see if you can find this because also perhaps the hall of records contains the bigfoots there and and this is one of those cases i think where there is a real legitimate storied history of this mystery mound and yet we have a local expert in (laughs) in finger quotes who's like you know it's in there and you're like i don't think that's probably what's in there there's only one way to find out (laughs) You got to go in. Ark of the Covenant, everything is buried down there. So they think. Bigfoot. Cassie is uh, a huge fan of caves. So. Oh, are you? No, I hate caves. Oh, you're not. Okay. All right. (laughs) I am claustrophobic, and Danielle has managed to bring me in a cave on almost every trip we've ever done together. Well, good for you for going and conquering your fear. Yeah, immersion therapy. (laughs) I have. there's a threshold of the size of cave that I'm probably willing to go into. Yeah. We are notorious episode 13. I was just thinking about that. Where, <laughs> but that's more of uh, cave diving. Yeah, we covered a disappearance of Ben McDaniel, which it's this kind of a, a closed off natural water spring in Florida that has caves. So you go down and dive in these caves and it, there's no exit. Like it's you dive down and you come back up and he dove down and wasn't in there and wasn't on the surface. So went missing after cave diving. But some of the footage of other divers that have gone down there, the caves are maybe the the width and breadth of like the human body like you barely barely fit through and then pop in you know pop out on the other side and there's another opening but you either have to go back the way you came or there's another little tiny sidewindery way not to mention you have to have scuba tanks and all that with your you, tanks so. are like if this is the top of the cave the tank is like the tank cr- is and then your stomach is on the bottom so you're like slithering through it is Ugh. for claustrophobic people i don't even if you're not it's a lot but i could never what i'm saying Me is either. if you want to make yourself sick go look at the video <laughs> yeah okay you want to have a panic attack go look at that stuff but that caves y'all have been in or walkthroughs, I'm assuming. Yeah, where there's no, no diving. There's no yes. diving on our yes. end. <laughs> I can't even snorkel well. Never mind. Oh, same. No, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's How hard. do you not get water in your mouth? I've never because figured it out. Danielle, do you pick out caves on particular to take Cassie in? Or it just so happens y'all are there and it's like, well, we should go. There's a cave right here. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of kind like of, that. We don't, except we she's don't like... Face- I feel like everywhere we go, she we're going somewhere that's not cave related. And she's like, caves near blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like us, but escape rooms. Oh, yeah. So that's oh, what we like to do on our room. tours is we're like, there's escape probably an escape room around here, right? Oh, look, there's one right there. Let's yeah. just stop in. <laughs> escape and rooms are so fun. Yeah, but right. you might just like a cave. A cave is an escape room with no timer on yeah. it and no one to let you out. Or and also not room. an employee that yeah. is going to let you out if you can't find Find your way. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, Teague is confident he knows the whereabouts of the Hall of Records, but told Mysteries of the Outdoors that he has been unsuccessful in gaining access. Every time he's tried, armed men have shown up 
demanding he leave the area. Ooh. T believes they are protecting something they don't want the public to find, telling Discovery Plus, It's an underground depository of ancient artifacts from all over the world that have been deposited in one area in the middle of the United States in a cave. And the ancient artifacts of treasures is protected. And people are not welcome here. You I know? have a question. Yes, we all do. Uh, so what's yours? <laughs> so many questions for this guy how does like where did this stance come from that he just knows this well that's a good question i, I think, think um, internet rumors yeah and- you know i think he might be a bit of a conspiracy theorist and has taken bits and pieces from different legends to uh form his own mm-hmm. but there is footage uh like video footage of him showing up at areas at yes. this area and are the people in it part actors that are participating with him or are they really military men but some yeah. guys with some guns are like you got to get out of here yeah so he's stumbled onto some sort of a protected area but is it a pr- protected national forest land and that's you know rangers or department of the interior employees going like hey there's a, a mother bear and her cubs are over here like, but they don't tell them all that information or the government doesn't want us to know that they moved everything from Area 51 <laughs> under the big hump in the middle of Missouri. But maybe that's why Missouri is the show me state because you have people uh, rolling around going, guess what's in that forest? And they're like, show me. Really? <laughs> Let's go. I don't even know if it has to be that there's an underground cave, but I for sure think, because I think the government is up to a lot of stuff. But it so <laughs> wouldn't surprise me if there's and you know a protected area within a forest that might be some sort of testing facility testing area and there are kind of like stranger things right and there are armed people protecting it for your safety but mostly theirs for theirs y'all ever been on a hike and you come across like a fence or something that says do not enter no trespassing and you get like a hmm wonder what's back there feeling i have a couple times and national park sites um throughout time i mean i'm not talking about like yellowstone or yosemite right now but they have been used for some things that have had um like top security clearance type of like situations i mean the first one that comes to mind in my head is white sands right Mm. outside of white sands national park yeah there's the white sands missile range and it's a top secret military testing facility that borders pretty much all of white sands there you go so yeah there's so much coverage, like aerial coverage, not being able to see things because of the density of trees. There's all sorts of stuff going in there we don't know about. Well, Bigfoot's government. I was going to say, that's a good point because my uncle was stationed somewhere that they were able to shoot. This is my uncle who was a ne'er-do-well in the military. He's in his, God, he's 80 now. So he was like in Korea like a long time ago. But he talks about that he when he was around that area in New Mexico and he goes, yeah, we shot him off into the woods somewhere. I was like, where did they go? And he's like, I don't know. Shot what off? Just practice artillery shots. Oh, and stuff. guns. So they were <laughs> shooting, no, like big ass. Oh, missiles. Yeah. Yeah, not quite a missile. But yeah, I mean, big, and he's just like, yeah, we just, we just shot him over there. But I wonder if those areas they know, okay, these are areas where stuff could rain down from the sky. Don't go past these fences for these reasons. It's like the foul ball mm. area at a baseball game. Like live missile heads, yeah. They tested the first atomic bomb there. Yeah. At White Sands? So, yep. Wow. There's a new movie coming about that called Oppenheimer about Los oh. Alamos and testing mm. and developing the atomic bomb. Oh, interesting. My experience with White Sands was going there for a middle school trip yeah. in eighth grade, and we all took buses there, and then we um, inner tubed down them. 
They didn't let y'all in the lab oh, cool. and be like, we did not go to a government bomb? testing yeah. facility to my knowledge. <laughs> they like, wiped you. Don't press or, this button. Yeah. <laughs> or I got men in black and it, right? I don't remember any of it and right. I'm chipped. <laughs> they wiped your brain afterwards. Yeah, your chip got reset. <laughs> Well, though theories on supernatural incidents in the forest have gained popularity, for families who have lost loved ones in the Mark Twain National Forest, the horrors they face are undeniably real. The Charlie Project, a publicity vehicle and clearinghouse of information for missing persons, lists several currently missing persons associated with the Mark Twain National Forest, including Patrick Chapman, a sociable, friendly father of one. Patrick was living in O'Fallon, Missouri, working as a tow truck driver. He was last seen around 10 p.m. on the night of May 1st, 2020. According to the AWARE Foundation, Patrick had gone to Mill Spring, Missouri to stay with a friend. That friend got up around 4 a.m. to go to work and noticed Patrick and his burgundy 1995 Ford Escort were both gone. On May 29th, Patrick's car was found about a half mile from the Mill Spring Cemetery on a four-wheeler path in the Mark Twain National Forest. Authorities found his wallet, ID, and other personal items in this car. A devoted father of his young son, his family believes that he would never have left the boy willingly. His family has established a Facebook page to gather tips and recruit volunteers to help search. According to posts, although his wallet and ID were in the car, his cash was taken. The page also states that his car was completely wiped of fingerprints. So y'all have a lot of experience with missing persons in national forests. Do you have theories about these types of things? I think it's very strange that all the prints were wiped in the car. Yeah. Because we see all the time people, if their cars break down, or we specifically did a story in Death Valley where someone's car broke down and they ended up walking across the valley to try and get help and they didn't end up making it. But to see someone leave their car and maybe forget their wallet because they're in a panic or something, but to have everything wiped clean is very weird. Yeah. Because who wipes mm-hmm. their car clean, clean and cash taken? Yeah, yeah, and cash taken too. Yeah. And we've also seen a couple of cases pop up, whether or not we've covered them or considered covering them, where it may be unsolved, which most of them unfortunately are. But when we're researching and putting all the pieces together, we see that there are people of interest that happen to be like known serial killers that have been operating in the areas um, that obviously can't be pinned to that specific case, but it kind of gets your wheels turning yeah. of like this wow. seems like a lot of a huge coincidence yeah you know yeah it's the coincidence for me like at some point it's no longer uh just bad luck if there's like you said who why would you unless you were intentionally wanting to go missing or someone took you yeah. i don't know why your car would be wiped down of fingerprints no that makes sense and to your point danielle talking about serial killers operating if the mark twain national forest spans 29 counties if you don't have a cohesive unified response and sharing of information among law enforcement agencies yeah you're right you could if you're on one edge of the forest like super far hundreds of miles from the last time you did this to a person and you know if you just ditch their car in the forest and you know aren't too obvious maybe why maybe just wear gloves next time 
time instead of wiping it all the way down, then you would be able to get away with things like this. You know, whether it's a one off in an instance, you know, for somebody that knew him or a happenstance, you know, a crime of opportunity to steal the money or a repeat offender who's mm -hmm. doing these things. If you chose a large area where the elements are dangerous, then that just gives you reasonable doubt if you ever do get caught. We're like, how do you know it was me? Hey, jury, isn't it possible that we were here together and he dropped me off? That's why my fingerprints were in his car. And then he just went to the forest by himself and he just walked off. Like it's, it would make sense as a magnet for trying to basically cover your tracks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Patrick's family continues the search by using drones, walking the forest, and soliciting the public for tips. Even though the police have not officially declared this a homicide, Patrick's family is looking for any possible suspects who may have caused his disappearance. He is officially endangered slash missing. Anyone with information on the disappearance is urged to contact the Wayne County Sheriff's Department at 573-224-3219. One major barrier to publicizing the search efforts for missing people in the national parks is the lack of a reliable centralized database maintained by the Department of the Interior, the parent organization of the National Park Service, or NPS. While the NPS does maintain a list of active cold cases, experts estimate it does not necessarily include all persons who have gone missing. This is where it's so creepy to me that you can literally just disappear and there's no no record of it because there's no record of who goes in or out really that's true yeah unless your family knows yeah yeah and that website that website i mean we have visited frequently mm -hmm. um and it's true like there's cases on there that of course they've gone cold decades ago they're still there but you know that the, it's not really that extensive of a list. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. there's, you know, a couple dozen people on there, but you know that just based off of hearing the news every day or researching what we do, like there are many, many, many more people that um should be on some type of list. I understand right. that's a cold case list. It's kind of categorized different, but... It's true. It, it's so hard to keep track. And even when, you know, there's as far as finding people in forests, it's so, so difficult. Mm -hmm. Even with a huge search and rescue team with helicopters, infrared, canine teams, volunteers, law enforcement, we have covered a lot of cases. And there's one that we haven't covered that comes to mind right away um the Geraldine Largay case there's a book written about her and it's called when you find my body and she yeah. was hiking the AT and she went off to go to the bathroom or something and got turned around and they didn't find her body for a really long time and she had written a note it says when you find my body to her family because oh, she knew that she was um, probably not going to survive. She was a nurse. Um, she knew a lot, but still. She wasn't like, far she from was, the trail She either. wasn't far God. from the trail. Oh, it's heartbreaking. When her body was found, she wasn't that far. Yeah, you get turned around. I have a terrible sense of direction. Um, and I mean, Heather can, like even walking around a mall, I'm like reliant on other people You're to like, tell me where, just come from there? where I like, am. No. So it's so scary to think that, yeah, if you're not familiar with something or there's a lot of tree coverage and you can't really even tell like, like sun. sun and stuff. Yeah, you get so turned around. Isn't there a term for it when um, people feel that disorientation in a forest and they kind of like lose their bearings? Am I making that up? I thought there was a specific term. Know it, but we don't. <laughs> we should know it. I don't know what no. it is. But to y'all's point a minute ago, like... It could be something where you really do get turned around and yeah. you, you, the elements get, get the better of you. But if it is someone that is 
a serial killer mm. or a crime of opportunity of someone else on the Appalachian Trail. I think law enforcement and parks departments, a lot of time they can just say, well, it's a national park. A yeah. lot of stuff can go wrong here. So murder yeah. is going to be at the bottom of the list because we don't want everybody to think there's a murderer out here. It's more likely they w- were attacked by an animal got lost, fell off a cliff, mm-hmm. et cetera. But could be that there's a lot more sinister things happening and it's just super easy to cover it up that way. And that's what some people argue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is because a lot of these national parks, I mean, when you go into these places that are so remote, people having mishaps and dying from the elements or some type of injuries are the more common thing that you're going to see. So I think a lot of times it's really hard for people to immediately assume something like that is Mm -hmm. going on. But Mm -hmm. in that same breath, these are the places where there's so much opportunity for that to happen because it's so remote and because I feel like it is so much harder to investigate. We talk about it a bit on the podcast, but to pick up evidence from a ground or the outdoors versus a room, an indoor room, mm-hmm. is so much harder. Yes. Mm-hmm. And just how it's been impacted and maybe it has been, you know, decomposed by mushrooms in the forest or an animal mm-hmm. chews on it and bites it up. Or, or bleached by the bleached sun. By the sun. So you yeah. can't washed out, washed down yeah. river. It's further from, that's a good point versus if it's a controlled space where the crime happened and now nothing is going to move. It's like the crime happened and nature goes on yeah and is gonna yeah muck up the crime scene david politis author of missing 411 told journalist john billiman that he believes the number of those who go missing is so significant that the nps must keep the real figures hidden saying it would shock the public so badly that visitor numbers would fall off a cliff. When Politis filed a Freedom of Information Act request to the NPS on all the data on missing persons, he was told it would cost him $1.4 million in fees, according to the Daily Dot. That said, Politis doesn't necessarily agree with the sentiments, viral videos in the past few years, that characterized national parks as dangerous places where people are more likely to go missing and accuse the government of hiding the true numbers of missing persons. And there was probably an 2021, 2022, there were a couple of viral videos that came out where people were, uh, I think, you know, like you said, there's uh, what you said earlier, Danielle, like there's so many national parks, there's so many people that visit it. So of course, if you just say like the number of people in the whole entire United States population that are missing is this percentage and this number of people, and you look at it as a percentage versus this is how many people visit all these national parks a year, and this percentage goes missing, and it's in line with the baseline, or maybe slightly higher due to it's just a little bit but, you know, people overestimate their skill set or whatever. But it was, and I'm curious y'all's take. And like I said, the last, you know, year or two where you do see TikTokers, maybe people that are not necessarily actually going out to national parks and visiting them going, this is a hotbed for you're going to get snatched if you go to the national park. Like they show the maps with all the like, like all the points Mm -hmm. of like, cluster and politis does that in his series too of like the cluster parts and then you know things in these areas have all been reported before somebody goes missing a storm or uh they were with a group and then they just weren't there right my question to y'all is like do you see your show is maybe hopefully saying yes things happen in parks but here's why but please you should still go (laughs) yeah i mean our entire thing is that we still want people to go and visit the outdoors wherever it be a park or not 
and mm-hmm. to also be realistic and realize the dangers. I think that with social media, when we talk about TikTok and things like that, we're also seeing this huge jump in do it for the gram. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we're seeing people who are making mistakes where sometimes people lose their lives over it because they're trying to get these photos that are not realistic to get or people are disrespecting wildlife. And a lot with our show is we try to highlight that things do go wrong and highlight the dangers that are here. But there's so much fun to be had here if you follow the Mm -hmm. right precautions. Yeah, for point. sure. Yes, yeah. Politis said in an interview, I don't think there's a grand conspiracy to keep the numbers hidden, but the National Park Service certainly doesn't advertise that there are dozens of still missing visitors in Grand Canyon or Yosemite, and a county sheriff isn't going to put a missing person on his re-election poster. And I think that's the key, right? Right, Politis it says it's dozens of still missing people. It's not hundreds of millions. Yeah, like it's not like- The odds are in whole, your favor yeah. if you visit a national park that you're going to have a great time. Yeah. So we should all operate under that and not live in fear that we can't go to one because we might get sucked up by an alien or a Bigfoot. Unless that's what you're trying to do. I'm trying. If you guys got the hot <laughs> tip on where I can get taken by the UFO. I would know. love if if they're nice. Trying to Travis. That's always my caveat in because I know they're listening. I want to go if y'all are cool and I get to come back. Yeah. I'm happy to go visit, but I don't want to be taken up there forever because I got kids and a husband that I got to get back <laughs> to. Yeah. And a pig and a dog. If we get taken by aliens, I bet it's going to be like Kate McKinnon and Cecily Strong on <laughs> SNL. <laughs> Where you're going to be like, I was held in a, a beautiful source of light. And I'm going to be like, they slapped my knockers around. Are you sure that that's, did we get taken by the same ship? <laughs> I ended up on a wall. Outdoors. And you'd be like, I was laid in my bed and cradled in pure love. And I was like, they asked me if I wanted it smothered or covered. <laughs> but I still do want to get taken. I'm down for that. I'm down for I'm it. I'm down yeah. for it. All yeah. of it. Well, please tell us if you guys do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Would you? I've been know. asking my whole life, and it's never happened. If so. given the opportunity, would you? If an alien approached you and said, "Hey, there's room for you. You're, you're, you gotta, you gotta come now, though." Would you go? Yeah, yeah. I'm over this this uh, lifetime and planet. <laughs> yeah. uh, go so on, I'm up. ready. Go see what it's got. I'm good. I'll stay here. I saw an alien. You guys and can I still can do the that. What? You saw an alien? No, no, no. I'm saying if oh, that okay. happened That's to me, true. I could oh, be like, oh, I okay. saw an alien. I was like, oh, oh my God. God. We've been talking for nearly two hours and we're just now finding out you saw an alien. <laughs> what the hell? You're holding back on us, rude. That was very concerning. Okay. Yeah, I would have right. opened with Makes that if sense. I had yeah, actually seen I mean, it if I had seen an alien, any person I ever met forever, that's how I would oh, yeah. open it. Hey, what? my name's uh, Beverly. My daughter also goes to the school, and Christy's like, Christy Wallace, Ella's mom, seen an alien. Like, you want to hear about it? It's gray head, big, round head. And she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I brought cookies for the PTA meeting. Yeah. I've got a. You're like, uh, You know, who doesn't like cookies? Aliens. Aliens. I hate them. <laughs> they all they eat is canned tuna. I don't know why. I feel like they just eat cats. God. Oh, one of the worst things they could have consumed from you, Earth. Listen, you don't want to come on this UFO. It stinks up here and it's riddled with tuna cans. Every time we turn in space, it's just... <laughs> they just fall to one side. There's no recycling up here. Oh, we think they're so organized and clean. A it's a total, totally Chaos. different world. Imagine if you found that out. They're just hoarders. And it's like yeah, disgusting up there. Like, oh, no. They're like, I we have every issue. Yeah. National Geographic. That's what I would do. I'd be like, I will come aboard, but I'm going to need to stop by the container store first because I I like to have everything organized and I'll come aboard and we'll home edit your spaceship. I need one thing before I go and you grab your home edit book. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's why we came for you. We We need some help. You're the chosen one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Politis doesn't write off, though, that unexplainable forces may be at play. Popular theories include government testing, serial killers, and Bigfoot. Politis notes that with all of these scenarios, tracks and evidence would be left something that is never found by search and rescue. Additionally, it would be quite difficult for a body to be carried for a long distance in that terrain. Of all the scenarios that have been presented to Politis, he says people accidentally stumbling through a portal to another dimension checks all the boxes for the commonalities he has found with the disappearances. However, he is quick to say in interviews that he doesn't necessarily think that is what's happening. I mean, you got to save it at the end. <laughs> You're like, makes the most sense. I don't think that though. Of course. <laughs> but, like, uh, not that I I think that, but yeah. if it were 100%. happening, if I did he, think something. Uh, he talks about like several people that have come to him that have been walking down a trail and then they see like, you know how if you're driving and it's real hot it's and it looks, you know, like, yeah, wavy, mm -hmm. like a wavy line. And then one of them like kind of put their hand through and it disappeared. So they turned and ran the other way. I'm going through. You go through the portal? I'm going through. You come on a portal in the woods. Cassie, Danielle, are y'all doing it? <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, I, like I said, I'm just, Cassie's I'm done. ready to just, Cassie's no, Danielle first. is ready I'll to go, go home in. and I'll be like, I saw a portal in the woods. I threw a rock <laughs> yeah. through it. I don't know what happened to it. I, Cassie, you're truly a world traveler. Cause you're like, I was there. I saw it. I don't need to take anything with me. I don't need to do anything. Like <laughs> leave no trace. Leave no trace. But Danielle is a true explorer. Like head first. I'm in. Take I'm me. Going. I'm going. I'm going. Done. Too. Yes. I dive in. Noting the lack of publicly available information. Outdoor enthusiast and graduate student at the University of Texas at San Antonio, Josh Leal, launched the website Missing in U.S. National Parks and Forests at missingnpf.com in October of 2020. The website was created with the goal of supplying a centralized resource for those with an interest in supporting investigative efforts. Those with missing loved ones can add their stories to the database, and those looking for ways to help can visit the site for more information. The National Park Service does maintain a database of its cold cases, though some experts have called for more transparency. If you have any information on an open case, you can call or text the NPS tip line at 888-653-0009. Send an email to nps underscore isb at nps.gov or fill out the tip form on their website. To access Leal's newly created database, you can visit missingnpf.gov. Com. And that's the Mark Twain National Forest. Oh, wow. Thank that's you. the Mark Twain National Forest. Thank you for bringing us. Well, on our show, we always say at the end. So what do we think? What do we think about everything here? I think that I'm still down to go to Mark Twain National Forest, Same. despite everything that we just learned. Yes. <laughs> because of everything we just learned. <laughs> yeah. I think if there's supernatural stuff, if there's something we can see a, an object to find, you know, a clue or something, we can help out. with A portal? A portal? A uh, government testing yeah. facility. I think that there's definitely some things up there for sure that are undeniable. As far as like if I subscribe to all of the details and everyone's descriptions, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the one thought that I kind of left with that we've talked about before a little bit, depending on what story we're covering, we're all about the paranormal. We're all about like obviously learning more about different theories and cryptids and phenomenons and we both have very open minds to it it's when people start pinning that's the reason for someone's missing loved one yes. that is a little like too far yeah oh, i think um so when there's some like you know we come across a lot of articles especially if it's in a place that there is a lot of paranormal activity otherwise mm -hmm. a lot of people are like well it has to be because bigfoot abducted them and it's like 
if that was your loved one mm-hmm. right and that was the theory going around like how would you react to yeah. that yeah so i just hope that like because as you mentioned there's kind of a big spike in tiktok and socials with the whole national park thing and visiting the outdoors and conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and it's just like for anyone who's doing that content creation to maybe just think a little bit mm-hmm. before you throw out some wild uh yes right yeah if a kid goes missing in a national forest, let's not immediately jump to, well, Bigfoot must have Yeah, or like, oh, it was a portal, a fate trap or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, like, let's get some resources out there, into it. real people on the ground to go right. looking for Please him. Please share the, the story, the yeah, call to action, the pictures. But yeah, don't, you're right. Don't sully that story. And I think that's, uh, I love that about your show. And I love that about you all, because you do have that ability to say, this case we're covering is, we need to do Occam's razor, right? Like true facts. This is a person's uh, loved one is at yeah. stake to, to bring them home, but then also have an appreciation when the time is appropriate of the third man factor, right? Of mm-hmm. We're not going to dismiss someone who said, no, I was there, whether it was Mount Everest or coming out of the last tower on 9-11. Like you can't dismiss someone's lived experience. So I love that about you all. And, and I think that's why we feel so connected with yeah, you. Yeah, we oh, are thanks. always definitely victims first and victims family. We, we like to say, we don't want to say anything that if the family of a victim was listening would, you know, break their heart. more. Yeah, that yeah. They, it would yeah. be. Uh, I'm, I'm sure perhaps even just hearing the story, of course, is triggering. But we don't ever want to um, make a concrete, deci- you know, statement, yeah. statement or like that. The when, yeah, especially when it is, you know, paranormal, a bit woo woo. I think it like you said, if somebody says, I saw Bigfoot, I know what I saw, I fired a gun above his head. That's great. Like Bill the Hunter. Yeah. yeah. But if it's yeah. like somebody's uh, loved one, their we found their car and yeah. the, the car's wiped down. It's probably not Bigfoot. We no, should probably be going yeah. <laughs> looking for, for him and somebody else, perhaps. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. And that's yeah. the line that has to be walked, I think, with everything. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, Cassie did one of your first episodes you ever did was about a disappearance of a young boy in the Smoky Mountains, right? Remember? Um, yeah, it was a couple episodes in, but yeah. Dennis Martin. Dennis yeah. Martin. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing that anytime you look up his case, like the headlines and the clickbaity stuff is it was cannibals. Oh, cannibals in the Great Smoky Mountains. And it's like, okay, well, let's like get through those weeds a little bit and get down to what truly happened that day. Obviously, it's unsolved and Cassie did a great job doing a deep dive in it. But there's like so much more to it than that. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And, you know, I think it's if people write that they're trying to get the clicks, exactly what you're saying, versus Mm -hmm. what what is the purpose of this episode? And our purpose is to cover it, provide information. What information does the public need to at all maybe have? Hey, you know what? My cousin goes camping there every summer. Maybe he saw some. I'm going to send this episode to him. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Versus if you see that headline that's like, cannibals take boy into forest, you the average viewer might go, ooh, I'm going to read that. But they're focused on the sensational. It's not going to help. And it definitely does mm-hmm. to try to yeah. add to the noise. And, and then imagine that little boy's parents. His family. Yeah. And like so. when you've worked, I mean, we both have had jobs where we worked with victims of crime one to one. And like you can't, once you do that, right, you can't mm-hmm. imagine ever, you know, and y'all and I think the same like vet techs, like being in a service industry where it is a, a skilled profession where you're also one to one with people going through a, a grief that you can't really I mean, you can relate to but right everybody's grief is different that 
I think you bring that empathy to the show, mm-hmm. and we appreciate that. Yeah, oh, for thanks. sure. Thank you. Yes. Well, we are also huge fans of your show, oh, obviously. Thank you and so much. We loved having you on, and thank of you. course, we did a little Freaky Friday segment, so um, that was fun as well. Yes. yes. We hope everybody loved that. Thank y'all again for coming on our Freaky Friday. And if your listeners haven't checked out your appearance already, they can come over to our feed and check. Yes. It out. Yes. Please do. Yeah. And what are you guys up to? I know you're bopping around. Yeah. Oh, oh well, we're on we're on tour right now. Um, Danielle was so nice to uh, come to our show. And you said you really enjoyed it. So I did. I, I really did. Danielle. It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle plug. That's all. Yeah. The, the That's what I want. <laughs> we're, we're on tour with our Full Moon Energy Tour. So um, you can go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. For information on all the play, we're about to be on the West Coast, yes, and then in San Francisco, um, Los Angeles, Boston. Um, we'll be in Brooklyn, Washington D.C., Detroit, Pittsburgh, etc. So a lot of places to go this summer. So we're all going to be traveling. Yeah, and, and then on selfies. socials, where can they? Yeah, find you us? can find us on Instagram at Sinisterhood Pod. Facebook is at Sinisterhood. TikTok and YouTube is Sinisterhood Podcast. And listen to Sinisterhood Wednesdays. We drop our episodes where we cover, like you said, anything sinister. And Fridays we have our our listener stories with sometimes amazing guests like you all. So we appreciate that. And yes. here you get podcasts. Yeah, anywhere you get podcasts, you can hear us. And thank you so much. This has been so much appreciate fun. Y'all are a delight to talk to. So thank you so much for having us. For sure. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun. And we learned a lot today about a place we've never visit in real life or for the podcast. So it's really cool. We love that. Awesome. All right, we'll talk soon. In the meantime, everyone, enjoy the view. But watch your back. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. If you have a trail tale or story suggestion, send us an email at stories at npadpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at National Park After Dark and on Twitter at npadpodcast. Join our outsiders only community on Patreon or Apple subscriptions to listen ad free, unlock monthly bonus episodes and exclusive content. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you are supporting our show. For our exclusive discount code, and source information from today's episode, check out the show notes. For more information on our show, our book recommendations, merch updates, and more, visit our website at npadpodcast.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe from wherever you listen to podcasts.